0: Well, good morning, everybody. What a great song. You're with us in the fire and the flood. And uh, some of you, some of you are on top of the world. Some of you are in a flood. Some of you are going through the fire right now. And um, Sunday morning, you should hear, you're not alone. God is with you. He is working even that trouble together for your good. All right, do you believe that? All right, let me pray. Lord, um, as we open your word, may we hear your voice. I pray you would encourage everyone here. And uh, thank you that you open blind eyes. You give life to the dead And uh, Lord, we just want to hear you this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are working our way through John's gospel. And there's a pattern that you can detect in John's writing style. Um, He devotes, in a number of chapters, a handful of verses to a miracle. And then he spends the rest of the chapter... Um, using three times as many verses, expanding on the miracle. Uh, having a dialogue take place where, we, where we're to derive uh, principles and understand Jesus better from uh, that miracle. So for example, in John chapter 5, Jesus heals a lame man on the Sabbath. That takes all of nine verses. But then for the next 37 verses, there's this debate that goes on about healing on the Sabbath. In John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. It takes 13 verses. But then 50 verses are devoted to Jesus being the bread of life. Now, last week we looked at John chapter 9. Jesus heals a man who had been born blind and of course he does it on the sabbath again it's almost like he's going out of his way to do these healings on the sabbath right and then that you know that only takes seven verses but the next 40 verses are devoted to the controversy that results from jesus healing this man on the sabbath and and really the issue is this who's really blind in this passage is it the blind man or is it the Pharisees? Right? So that's, that's what's going on in the second part of John chapter 9. All right? Now, here's how we're going to do this. If you look at what happens, there's a bunch of players involved in this, this discussion. There's the neighbors of the blind man, there's the blind man, there's the Pharisees, there's his parents, and there's Jesus. And if we were to, uh, to break this into a play, if we were to make it a, a play, there are seven distinct dialogues between the different characters in this play. All right? So I'm going to, it's a, it's a seven-point sermon um, with the different characters dialoguing. So let's, let's take a look at the first one. First is the neighbors. So this man, he's been blind all his life, Now he's healed, and the neighbors start to discuss it. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, one group of them were saying this, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. These are are the believers that this is a miracle. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. So you have two sets of people here, right? You've got this classic division between skeptics who will not believe in a miracle, no matter how much evidence the man himself is saying, "I'm the guy." Right? And then you have those who say, "No way. I am not going to believe it. It's impossible. The same categories exist today. There are those who believe. In the supernatural, that there's a God, that he intervenes in human activities, and he can do miracles, and he can answer prayers. And then you have what you would call naturalism. Those who say there's no supernatural world, there is no God. We got here through evolution. Science and reason explain everything. There is no miraculous. Now, for the naturalists, those who believe in naturalism, no amount of evidence will convince them. They'll always be able to explain it away. All right? Like here, that's not him. It's, it's somebody who looks like him. Now, uh, in this, this uh, world we live in today, more and more people are buying into naturalism. There's no God. One day there was an explosion in the middle of nothing, and it created everything. And all that stuff swirled together, and boom, here we are today. If you step back, though, those who hold to naturalism, that the natural world is all there is, I really believe they have to embrace things that are more preposterous than to believe that God created it. Lee Strobel used to be an atheist. And uh, this quote in my mind sums it up perfectly. He says, to continue in atheism, I would need to believe that nothing produces everything, non-life produces life, Randomness produces fine tuning chaos produces information unconsciousness produces consciousness and non-reason produces reason and then he says I simply didn't have that uh, that much faith right so in the first dialogue here we just have the uh, the supernaturalists who believe that this is a miracle versus the non-supernaturalists who say nope Not going to buy it. So that's the dialogue between the neighbors. Now, next, the neighbors talk to the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud. Remember, Jesus spits in the mud. Spits in the ground and he makes mud and he puts it on his eyes. And anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam, that's the name of a pool, and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Now, um, with, with this little dialogue, let me just point out one simple thing. They ask him what happened, and he uses 28 words to tell the story. He's happy to tell the story. Now, as this goes on and on, they keep asking him to tell the story. They kind of put him on trial. And he becomes more and more irritated. Kind of like when you call customer service and you explain your situation. And then they put you through to another person and you explain your situation. And then they put you through to another And by the time it's like, listen, here's what happened. Right? That's what's going on here. First, he's happy to tell the story, but it, it, he gets more short as he goes on. So, they ask him what happens. Guy named Jesus, put mud on my eyes, I washed, I can see. All right. Next, the Pharisees and the man. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day. Do, 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 do. All right. When Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. see. See how short things are getting here? Now, here's the Pharisees thinking. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Now, how can they tell? For he does not keep the Sabbath. That's it. He did this on the Sabbath. He's not from God. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So there are the, uh, the single-dimensional religious people. Okay? You know, people who just have one criteria to determine whether you're godly or not. So for some, it's the right version of the Bible. You know, I was told once, I, I, I grew up on the NIV, but then I was told that's the nearly inspired version. <laughs> right? Then, do you, some of you remember when Christians didn't go to movies. But now that Netflix comes into your house, nobody can tell. You know? But if you went to a movie, you were of the devil. Right? Other people, their one dimension is just their denomination. Right? If, if you're not of and name the denomination, you're not a true believer. So there's the single dimension. He did this on the Sabbath. He violates the Sabbath. End of case. He is not of God. Right? But then others are more multidimensional. They're like, yeah, he violated our Sabbath rules, but this has never been heard of. He opens the eyes of a blind man. Maybe he is of God. They're not so knee-jerk in their reaction, all right? So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? Now they're forcing him to choose sides. Either you're on team Jesus or you're against Jesus. And he goes, now, now remember, this guy's not a theologian. He's never read anything in his life. Jesus opens his eyes and Jesus leaves. So his conclusion is, he's a prophet. And basically what he's saying is, prophets are from God. I'm on team Jesus. He opened my eyes. He's a prophet, okay? So let's investigate further. Let's bring in the parents of the blind man. So the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son? Okay, identify him. See his birth certificate. Who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? The parents answered, we know that this is our son. This is Junior. Right, And that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Now, you go, why are they so afraid to weigh in? Well, John tells us. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue, excommunicated. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. Now, I don't know that we're to be too hard on the parents. They know that if they take a side on this, And it's the wrong side, they will be excommunicated from the synagogue. Now, we hear that today, and we go, well, just go find another church. Just Google it. There's a billion churches. You can bop from church to church to church. You don't have to be accountable to anybody. Back then, if you were put out of the synagogue, it wasn't just, oh, we don't have to go to church. You were disfellowshipped from the church and the community, and you you lost economic status. You couldn't do. You couldn't uh, be part of the economy anymore. So, being put out of the synagogue means you're poor. You're gonna starve. So they're like, I, yeah, he was born blind, but I don't. We don't. We don't want to get involved in this. So that's the parents. But the parents do confirm he's our son. He was born blind and now he sees. So now they continue questioning the man. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him. Now look at how they phrase it. Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is. Is a sinner. How crazy is this? Give glory to God by declaring God a sinner. Right? Why? Because he healed on the wrong day. Legalism is so single dimensional that it turns a joyful event, a blind man, seeing for the first time. Legalism turns that into condemnation, a trial, and calling God himself a sinner. Now, uh, the Jews had the Old Testament. Then they also had the Talmud, which is a collection of the writings of the rabbis. Twenty-four chapters of the Talmud were devoted to how to keep the Sabbath. It was like reading the IRS code. Right. One author writes this: There were Sabbath laws about wine, honey, milk, sitting, writing, and getting dirt off your clothes. Anything that might be conceived as work was forbidden. On the Sabbath, the scribes were forbidden to carry their pens. The tailors were forbidden to carry their needles, and students to carry their books. To do so might tempt one to work. In fact, carrying anything heavier than a fig was forbidden on the Sabbath. Many of you have already violated that today with your Bibles, right? If you threw what you were carrying into the air, it had to be caught with the same hand. To catch it with the other hand would be considered work. So this... Is good. This is okay. I just violated the Sabbath there. Okay? No insect could be killed. That would be considered hunting. No candlelight or flame could be extinguished. No bathing was allowed since water might accidentally spill on the floor and wash the floor. That's work, right? No furniture could be moved around in the house lest it leave a rut in the dirt and that would be considered plowing a radish could not be left in salt because it would become a pickle and pickling was work. All right, 24 chapters of this burden of how to keep the Sabbath. Right? So they, they say, is Jesus a sinner? He, he violates the Sabbath. The answer is obvious. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This is a, this is a common sense logic thing. I'm not up on all your, your Sabbath technicalities, but I do know one thing. I once was blind, but now I see. Jesus is from God. You see, their, their legalism was one dimensional too simplistic it legalism usually bases who's spiritual upon some external behavior not on the internal fruit of the spirit Jesus does something that produces joy you violated the Sabbath so uh Legalism is all about external behavior. Fruit of the Spirit is about internal change. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? If we're having a trial about healing a man and he now sees for the first time and that produces joy isn't that from God no he violates the Sabbath you can tell legalists by their external emphasis on behavior and their avoidance of joy all right. uh, now, the nice thing about two churches together, I get to use some of my favorite stories again. All right, So Valley Brooker's put up with this. okay? So I, I love this story. There's a guy on a bridge. He's ready to jump and kill himself. Another guy comes along. And he says, hey, 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 don't jump. God loves you. And the, guy's, the guy's ready to jump. He goes, oh, you must be a Christian. I'm a Christian. He goes, yeah, I'm a Christian. And the guy who's, who's on the ground says... Uh, what kind of Christian are you? Are you a Catholic or a Protestant? And the guy on the bridge says, I'm a Protestant. He goes, I'm a Protestant. He goes, now what kind of Protestant are you? You an Episcopalian or a Presbyterian or a Baptist? He goes, I'm a Baptist. He goes, I'm a Baptist. He goes, now what kind of Baptist are you? you a Southern Baptist or a Northern Baptist? He goes, I'm a Northern Baptist. He goes, I'm a Northern Baptist. Baptist." He goes, are you Great Lakes District or Midwestern District, Northern Baptist? He goes, Midwestern. He goes, I'm Midwestern. He goes, I got another question. Do you guys sing out of the blue hymnal or the red hymnal? I said, the blue hymnal. He said, die, heretic, die, and pushed him over. <laughs> you want another one? So, guy dies and goes to heaven. And St. Peter greets him and he says, you want the tour? Sure, I'll take the tour. Takes him over to a room, opens the door and there's people in suits singing from hymnals, very proper. And the guy goes, what's this? He goes, oh, this, this is where the Presbyterians worship. Come over here. Opens another door. There's people jumping around and doing cartwheels down the aisle. And uh, he goes, let me guess, Pentecostals? He goes, yeah, this is where the Pentecostals worship. Right. And Come over here. Opens a third door. The group in there. They're singing, I don't know, choruses from the 90s. (laughs) Maybe a K Love song occasionally. He goes, Who are these? He goes, These are the Baptists, but be very quiet. He says, Why? They think they're the only ones here. (laughs) I could have picked on anybody there. Okay. All right. So, uh, they have their rule Jesus violated the Sabbath he's out. This man says, I think he's of God. So they go on. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They've already asked him this. So so he's getting fed up. He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Ooh. He's digging them now, right? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We have our Old Testament. We follow Moses. You're his disciple. We're, we're not his disciple. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You know, there there is... You know, I don't think we should be characterized by sarcasm, but there's an occasional place for sarcasm. Now, that's an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Case settled. What's their response? They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. You think he cares? He can see now. He can see colors. He can see birds. He can see faces. He's as happy as can be. How do you explain his feistiness? He can see, not only with his eyes, but spiritually. When you know God and you know the truth, it gives you boldness. Like the little boy at the parade. Everybody's praising the emperor. His beautiful clothes. Look how wonderful his clothes are. And the little boy goes, he ain't got no clothes. Right? Right? That's what this, 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 his eyes are opened, not only physically, but spiritually. I'm team Jesus. Kick me out if you want to kick me out. They canceled him. Right? They canceled him from the synagogue. So now he's out on his own. And who comes walking up? Jesus. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? <laughs> this guy is so ready to believe. Just tell me who he is, I'll believe in him. And, and like, remember the, the woman at the well? Well, when the Messiah comes, he'll explain all this. And Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. It's hard not to see here the parallels between this man being healed and how we are saved. Right? It's Jesus who acts first. It's Jesus who sees him first because he can't see. Right? In our salvation. You know, people argue over Calvinism and Arminianism, but I think every one of you is, who's truly saved would look back and go, He came after me. Right? Then Jesus opens his eyes and gives him sight. Second Corinthians says this for God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just like God in creation said, let there be light and there was light in your heart, he said, let them see the face of Jesus. The blind man looks into the face of Jesus and he sees the beauty of Jesus and he worships him. His Healing is a picture of salvation. Right? Now, one last thing. Jesus and the Pharisees. So Jesus is talking to the blind man, healed now, and Pharisees are listening. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world. And they say, wait a minute, didn't Jesus earlier say he didn't come to judge but to save? Yes. Yes. But by definition, those who believe in him are saved. And those who reject him are judged. My purpose for coming is to die for sin. And all who believe in me will be saved. And by definition, those who reject me will be judged. So for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, meaning if you recognize that you were blind, if you're humble enough to know you're spiritually in the dark, you would have no guilt. Okay? But because you would... Uh, excuse me but now that you say we we see okay we we don't need you we have our own spiritual insight your guilt remains okay your guilt remains what's he saying just like the blind man you have to realize you're spiritually blind and you hear the gospel you hear about Jesus and you cry out to him And he opens your eyes. Right? But the spiritually arrogant are those who say, well, I don't need a savior. I'm pretty good. Like the Pharisees. They had their whole list of rules that they kept and they were confident that they were good before God. And Jesus basically says, the blind man's not blind. You're blind. In, In essence, this whole thing is summed up. This whole chapter is summed up with the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who say, I have no spiritual insight. I have no righteousness to offer God. I am poor in spirit. Save me. And he gives you sight He gives you understanding. He gives you his perfect record. So when he sees you, you are now perfect, not because you are, but because of what he's done for you. He gives you his death on the cross, which pays for your sin. So the key to becoming rich spiritually is admitting that you are poor spiritually. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. We're illustrating salvation over and over and over in different ways. And here, Lord, we see that by admitting we're blind and crying out, you give us sight. Thank you for healing this man. Thank you for healing and opening the eyes of everyone here who trusts in you. And then, Lord, uh, there may be those who don't trust in you. I pray that you would open eyes, turn on the light. So we see you and trust in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.